Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. That as I do so, that the Holy Spirit would take his word and minister to our hearts and that he would saturate our souls with his presence. And not only that, that he would help us to deepen our faith and our trust and our relationship with him. So it's, it's, it's good to be here. You know, today we kick off a new message series uh, titled Wanderers. And the name is derived from the 40 years that the children of Israel, the Israelites, wandered in the desert before they entered the land that God had promised them. I'm excited about the series because I believe that we will get a glimpse of how a covenant-keeping God relates to his people, how a covenant-keeping God relates to you and relates to me, his children. Um, uh, We will see how God delivered his people from the bondage of slavery uh, and leads them to a place of freedom and new life. Uh, We will look at the struggles that they experienced and the challenges that they faced and how God was always with them at all times. Uh, I'm excited because I think through this series, the next couple of weeks, uh, we will learn that uh, when we are, when you and I are in a place of desperation and hopelessness, God is always working on our behalf. We will learn how um, no matter how bleak our situation may be, no matter how difficult the struggles may be in our life, God's promises and His provisions are always there for us. Even, even when you and I, even when we grumble, even when we uh, complain, uh, God responds to us with kindness and with mercy that we do not deserve. So today we're going to begin by focusing on the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea, and how God graciously rescues and delivers his people even when their level of trust, even when their faith is lacking. So we'll begin. The Bible tells us that the Israelites ended up in Egypt as a result of a severe famine uh, that took over the land. Uh, There in Egypt, they grew in numbers and they flourished. They thrived. Uh, The Bible tells us that the Egyptians began to dread the Israelites. They began to fear the Israelites. They feared that uh, this group of people was getting too large. They were growing in number. And they feared that perhaps one day they would rise up, make an alliance with a foreign nation, and turn against the Egyptians. So the Egyptians decided that they were going to enslave them. They were going to put uh, taskmasters over them and give them hard labor. And for over 400 years, they lived miserably under the tyranny and the bondage of the Egyptians. And they began to pray. They began to cry out. 
And God responded by uh, sending Moses to deliver them from their slavery. Through the course of a year, God performed ten powerful miracles in the form of, um, yeah, what is that word? I'm thinking of it in, in Spanish, but I can't think of it in English. In the form of plagues. Ten amazing miracles. And in, in each one of those, God did those to persuade uh, the Pharaoh to let his people, to let his people go. But in each of those miracles, Pharaoh refused to give them their freedom until the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn child. As the Israelites then marched out of Egypt, God leads them uh, with a pillar of dust during the day and a pillar of fire by night. This is just incredible things that are taking place. And the Israelites are experiencing all of this. When the Israelites find themselves in front of the Red Sea, they got to go across to the land that God is promising them. And so they find themselves and, and they realize, how are we going to go across? At that time, Pharaoh changes his mind. And he decides that he's going to go after the Israelites and enslave them again. I mean, hey, we just lost our entire labor force. We just lost our labor force that has built our own country. And they've this max exodus, what were we thinking? And so he seeks to get them to enslave them again and bring them, bring them back. So here they are. The people uh, are in front of the uh, Red Sea. And the Egyptians are coming fast behind them. The Egyptians are behind. The Red Sea is in front. Enslavement and bondage is behind. And the unknown of the future promises are ahead for them. So they begin to complain. They begin to wish that they were back in Egypt. They begin to believe that they were better off back in Egypt rather than die by the sword and be taken by force. The scripture tells us that God shielded them from the Egyptians from behind. And it also tells us that uh, he parted the Red Sea so that they can walk across on dry land. The Egyptians decided that they were going to follow through with their plans. So as they pursued them and as they got down into the dry uh, bed there uh, of the sea, God begins to close the waters upon them, eliminating the threat of their past. So here they are. Sometime later, the Israelites arrived at the border of the land that God had promised them. And here they are. And Moses sends 12 men to go into the land, to explore the land, and to bring news to him as to, you know, what is out there. Two of those guys come back, and they say, man, this is an amazing place. Great cities. The land is fertile. Amazing fruit trees, great vines, oh, anything that you can imagine. It is a land of plenty. It is a land where it really flows with milk and honey. Literally, there's plentiful for us to have. But two guys gave a bad report. Oh, they began to say, no, we can't go in there. 
Man, that land's going to swallow us up. The inhabitants, they're just too large. And we're like grasshoppers next to them. We're just little people. We really have no business going in there. Scripture says that they not only gave a bad report, Scripture says that they developed false rumors. They lied about the report. They lied about what they saw. And they began to spread these false rumors around the community until they saturated all the people. And there was literally a revolt. And the people said, well, we're not going to go in there. If you read scripture, it'll tell you that uh, they got so mad that they decided that they were going to stone Moses and select a new leader to take them back to Egypt. Man. And as a result... They wandered in the desert for 40 years. So when we read this story of the Exodus and the wilderness wandering, uh, we discover that the Israelites were abstinent and rebellious in several different ways. In fact, Scripture records at least 14 different instances where they explicitly rejected God's word. They rejected God's direction and they rejected God's guidance for their lives. 14 different instances. And if you read in the book of Numbers, chapter 11 through 21, you will find that there are seven separate narratives highlighting their rebellion and their disobedience towards God as they wandered and kept wandering in the desert. Looking at the story, uh, we can see uh, several reasons for their wandering. We'll put it up here on the screen, uh, and you can see them there. These are just a few reasons. There are more that we can highlight, but fear. They had fear. Fear struck them. The fear of the unknown uh, and challenges of a new life, uh, that just overwhelmed them. This is new things that God is bringing to us, and we're afraid of the newness. We're afraid of the freedom of the success that we may have. A lack of trust. They questioned God and did not trust His word and, and His promises, despite all the miracles that He had performed on their behalf. Oh, yeah, those, those ten miracles in Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea and the provision of bread and meat as they walked through the desert and the pillar of dust and the pillar of fire. And they're seeing these things visible on their behalf. And yet, and yet, and yet, they lack trust. And they were convinced that they could never defeat the inhabitants of the land that God had promised them. They were convinced that they could never enter the place that God had already said, this is for you. They were convinced that that was not possible. They had this lack of trust, so they lied and they spread rumors as a result. Disobedience. Uh, they explicitly disobeyed God and his instructions for them. When God provided, uh, they <laughs> disregarded his instructions on how much bread to save, how much meat to save for them. They just wanted to do their own thing. Another reason is the old life. The old life. However miserable they were in Egypt, however miserable they were there, the old life was more familiar 
and safe. At least they knew what to expect. Even though it was a life of enslavement and bondage. You and I may read this story and we might think, I would never do that. I would never act like that. But let me tell you something. The reality about this whole passage of Scripture, the reality of the Exodus story and the Israelites' experience gives insight to the human heart and the human mind. The story reveals what our Christian journey is like. It helps us to see why we struggle in our own journey of breaking free from sin, the sin that enslaves us, and the things that keep us from receiving all of God's promises for our lives. I mean, who can honestly say, I've never been impatient with God. Some of us have been believers for a long time. And we've seen and experienced God's intervention in our own lives. And we've seen God's intervention in other people's lives. And we've seen Him do great things and mighty things and miracles. And do great transformations and great healings and great salvations. And we've heard those testimonies and we see that. And yet, when we face new struggles, we question that God can do amazingly more than we can think of or imagine. And sometimes we know that God has the power to do something and we're angry at Him because He doesn't use it to change our situation. I mean, who can honestly say that we've never, never questioned God or doubted God? Who can honestly say that? The Exodus story gives us insight to our own journey of faith and trust in God. And it reminds us that God never leads us where His grace will not provide for us and His power will not protect us. So in light of this, I want us to contemplate a few questions. And at the same time, I want to challenge us to take one important step. Just one step. Wherever we are at in life, I, I, I think these questions are for us. They're for me. I, I mean, I've been contemplating this message for weeks now, and even today, and even this morning, I'm broken in prayer, and, and, and I'm crying, and I'm saying, God, yes, <laughs> I, need, I, I need to take these steps in my own life. So here's, here's the first question. What represents Egypt in your life? What is it that represents Egypt in your life? I know my Egypt, but what's yours? And I think you know what yours is. What represents Egypt in your life? What represents bondage? What represents being stuck in your life? What represents being enslaved or constricted uh, in your life? What is that thing? What is, what is that experience that keeps you from fully trusting God. Is it your past? Something bad happened and you have never been the same? It stole something from you and you haven't been able to believe in something better for your future. What is it? What, 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 what represents your Egypt? Is it a habit 
that keeps you from being all that you can be for God. It, it keeps you from being the best version of you today and for your future. What is your Egypt? And for some of us, uh, we're right in the middle of our Egypt. And for others of us, our Egypt is behind us. Our Egypt is behind us. So, I have another question for us to contemplate. Not just what is, what is your Egypt, but what is your Red Sea? What is your Red Sea? I mean, Egypt is behind you. God has brought you out of there. God has delivered powerfully. And God has brought you to a place, a new place of freedom and new life. And you're there and you're about to cross. And the promises of God are there. But there's an obstacle. There's something there that creates a barrier between your Egypt, which is coming fast behind you, and the new life. And you've got to cross this Red Sea. So what, what's your Red Sea? What, what, what is it? God's moved you out of that, you know. What, what, what is it? It's a barrier. And when you look forward to the new life that God is bringing to you, it's daunting and it's unfamiliar and you don't know what to do. The old life is more familiar for you than the new life that God has for you. And you're wondering, man, how do I get there? And it seems daunting and hard and different, way different than what I had before. That's familiar. How do I live over here? How do I act over here? How do I choose over here? It's harder because I don't know this over here. I only know this back there. So what is your Red Sea? What is... What of your Egypt is causing you to doubt? What of your Red Sea is causing you to lose trust in God's promise? I want to suggest to you, you need to name it. You need to name it out loud in your heart in prayer. You need to denounce it. You need to rebuke it. Uh, don't pretend it does not exist. Don't think that if you don't mention it to God, that that's a sign of deep faith and it's going to go away on its own. Because it's not. Name it. Tell God what it is. Tell God how it is affecting you. How it's discouraging you. How it's challenging you. How it's causing you to stay stuck. Tell God, what is your Egypt? What is your Red Sea? Tell him about it. I know what mine is. Ah, you know, I, I look back at mine, I'm thinking, man, it, it's hard. I come from a broken home. I, 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 there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of disintegration in family relationships. And uh, uh, God, I know you, 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 you delivered me from that. And now, and now I see my Red Sea in front of me. And God, how, how, can, I be a, how can I be a good dad? How can I be a, a great husband? God, I want to break that cycle of generations and generations and generations of disintegrated families of womanizing and unfaithfulness and family feuding and I want to break all of that and God here I'm at this Red Sea and, and I know I know my Egypt and I'm recognizing I'm recognizing my Red Sea and it's like hey I don't have the education I probably will never be able to do this I probably will never be able to afford that and I probably will not be the greatest dad or the best husband and God here's my Egypt and here's my Red Sea I need your help is there an amen anywhere 
I just heard a story, this uh, real-life story about a young man. Uh, his name is uh, Lamoris Crawford. He was at our district assembly, and he gave part of his testimony. And he's going on about how he uh, uh, didn't know his dad, and his mother uh, was a prostitute, and he was born into this. Uh, no education, no anything, and then he's the first one to graduate from college, and he's the first one to get his master's degree, and he's a well-sought-out speaker nationally. Well, he recognized his Egypt, and he saw the obstacles for his, uh, for his future, his, his Red Sea. He recognized that, but he kept moving forward. He kept moving forward. So, hey... Whatever your Egypt, whatever your Red Sea, know that God is for you at all times. At all times. Know that God is for you at all times. I mean, God has your best interest in mind. Uh, you need to know that. And not just know it intellectually, but you need to believe that deep in your heart. Let me tell you something about the Exodus story. It reveals the human heart and the human mind and how we respond in our faith walk with God. That's what it does. It puts us under the microscope. It helps us to see with greater clarity some of our own struggles. So whatever your Red Sea, whatever your Egypt, know that God is for you at all times. When the Israelites were between the bondage of Egypt and the unknown possibilities of the future. God literally delivered them from their past and led them into their future. And God does the same thing for you, and He does the same thing for me. Scripture says that He guarded their rear, and He led them forward simultaneously. Uh, notice this passage in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19 through 20. Look at what it says. It says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side, and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Powerful scripture. I mean, here's God. Uh, you, you, you got your past that's coming fast for you. Uh, the, your, your past is approaching. Egypt is coming hard. And they're, hey, they're, they're not going to let you go that easy. It's coming hard for you. And God says, hey, I'm your rear guard. I'm your protector. And he gets behind you and he makes sure that what's coming behind you is not going to catch up to you. It's not going to overwhelm you. It's not going to take over your life. And not only that, God goes in front and he says, and while I'm doing that, and while I'm protecting you from that, and while I'm shielding you from that, I'm making a way for you so that you can walk forward with me by your side. Praise His name. Praise His name. This is what He does. God is your rear guard 
and your lead guide. <laughs> Hallelujah. That way you're not always looking behind your back because God's got your back. That means that he guards you from that which is your past. Uh, the things that caused you havoc and pain. Uh, he guards you and protects you from the things that keep you from being all that you can be in Christ. Glory to his name. But God is also your lead guide. Yeah, that means he leads you into his future. Into your future. His future for you. His future for you. So uh, God leads you. Uh, he leads you into his best. You believe that? Yes? Can I have an amen? Yes? I mean, do you believe it or not? I'm just challenging our faith. Or they're just printed words on a page for you. God is your lead guide. That means he leads you into the future. His future for you. He leads you into his best. He leads you into his goodness. He leads you into his kindness. He leads you into his mercy. He leads you into his forgiveness. He leads you into the places he has for you. That means that God is for you at all times. Not just sometimes. At all times. So in light of this, in light of this, here's our step. Keep stepping forward. Keep stepping forward. See, the Israelites wanted to step backwards. And they had difficulty stepping forward. So keep stepping forward. Step forward into faith. Step forward into trust. Step forward into obedience. Step forward. Keep walking. Keep trusting. The only way, the only way you and I receive the promised land, the only way you and I live fully the promises of God is when we keep stepping towards forward in his direction at all time. Listen, the promised land is for now and for the future. The promised land is for now and for the future. Some people dream of a different future. Some people dream uh, that life will be different at some point in the future. Uh, they dream of having a better marriage. They dream of having great relationships with their children. They dream of having a functional, healthy family. Uh, and, and they think all of this is going to happen sometime later, sometime in, in the future, some way up there. Uh, some people desire and they want to be a, a, a godly man and a godly woman. Some people want to want to have a great faith. Uh, uh, I want to be a great uh, man of faith or a great woman of faith. And sometimes we think, well, that's going to happen sometime over there. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a church, in a small church where I got saved. And, and I, I remember hearing the testimonies uh, of the people and they would talk about the saints of the church. We got quite a few saints here, actually. 
they would use this word, the pillars of the church. And I thought, man, I, I'm new to church. You know, <laughs> what's a pillar in the church? I'm thinking, well, these things? Are they talking about these pillars that hold the building up? And no, no, no. They're talking about people, like real people, like men and women that were strong in the faith, like the backbone of a body that keeps the body up and straight and strong, right? So they're like the backbone of faith in the church. They're people that inspire others. They're people that express their faith in such a way that you just boggles your mind and you say, wow, they're just full of the presence of God and the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when they pray, things happen. And I, I would hear those stories, and, and I would say, man, I, I want to be a pillar. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be that. I want to be like that. And I thought that, well, maybe, maybe one day when I'm 85, when I'm 90 years old, I, I may be a, a pillar of the church. I, I, I had that strong desire. And you know what God said to me? God said to me, no, 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 no. That's not about being 85 or 90 years old. That's not out there. God was saying, that's today. That's here. That's now and and tomorrow. Man, I, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a you know, a, a, an example in my home of a healthy environment of a super loving environment of a nurturing environment and then I get married and then we have kids and it's like I don't know how to be a husband I don't know how to be a dad I didn't have those examples and and so forth and I say God I see my red sea in front of me and I don't know how to do it I didn't have a religious upbringing. I mean, not like some of us in the holiness tradition faith. And, and when I got to church and it was like, this is all new. And, but I love it because I know it's real and it's making a difference in my life. And I remember when I got saved, I said, God, if you are the God of this word and if you're real, then I need you. I really do. I want you to be real in here. If the stories in here are real... If the people in here are real, then you can do that in me. You can do that in me. And God was telling me, hey, that's for now. Not, not just when you be 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. That's for now. Let me illustrate it this way. So I want to be a great man of faith. You might want to be a great man of faith or a great woman of faith. And you're here. And you're not totally there. But you know you want to. And God says, this is possible. This is a promise I have for you. You can make a difference, a huge difference. But right here, you're inconsistent in prayer. Right here, you're inconsistent in the reading of his word. And you may not even be reading it. But you believe in God. And God doesn't chastise you for that. God doesn't hate you for that. But that's the reality of your life. And you look at it and you evaluate it. And, and God is pointing out, hey, you're inconsistent. You're you, you, you don't, not totally sold out in, in believing that if you tithe or if you, if you give yourself wholly to me. And if you consecrate yourself, I can do great things in you and through you and for you. But you're here and you desire that. And God says, God says, start praying. And you do. 
and you take a step and you begin to pray. And you pray and you begin to read scripture and you begin to sense God's heartbeat and you, you sense that, man, I, I sense deep in my heart God wants me to do certain things and really what God is doing, he's talking to you and he's guiding you. And you, and you do it again, and you, and you pray, and you begin reading Scripture, and you begin studying Scripture, and all of a sudden, uh, you begin to sense God's heartbeat. It's, as it's almost as if God's thoughts are becoming your thoughts, and, and you begin to act and believe and think the way God sees things. You begin to see things in the same way He does, in the same light that He does, and you, and you keep taking a step, uh, and you, you fast, and you pray, and uh, you know, you begin to help others understand scripture and you begin to help your own kids understand scripture and you become an example and you take another step and all of a sudden you are living the promise of God in your life and you're right here and this person right here is totally different than this person right here. They're like night and day. They're so far apart from each other. They're so different from one another. Now you're here. And when people look at you, people see you differently uh, from when they see you here. So God's promise for you is for now and for tomorrow. And you begin to live. Though It's not just one day out there in the distant future. It's for now and for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you can do the same thing. Hey, I want to be a great father and I want to, but I don't know how. I don't know how. And you begin to take steps. You're a little bit more patient. You're a little bit more understanding. And you communicate a little bit more and so forth. And you read and you study God's word and, and you begin to say, hey, uh, God says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church that he died for her. He said, I have to die for her? Yeah. If you want to love her like I do. Or your selfishness has to die. Or your self-interest has to die. Are you willing to do that? And love her and serve her and care for her and respect her and honor her. And you decide you do that. You decide you do that. And you keep working on it. And you take another step in that direction. And you take another step in that direction. And before you know it, this is the kind of husband you are. This is the kind of husband that she has experienced life with. Not this one over here. You get it? So whatever your Egypt, whatever your Red Sea. Know, know that God is always for you. And because he is for you, keep stepping forward in his direction. He always has your best interest in mind. Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your Thank you for helping us see a few things through this journey that the Israelites have taken. Our desire, Lord, is to, uh, to be in the promised land, to live in the promised land. In other words, Lord, for us in our time, in our day today, is to live in your promises, to experience your promises today. To experience your kindness today, your blessing today, your goodness today. 
to experience these things here and now and tomorrow. May it be so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.